The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Gorgeous lot, and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast Edinburgh Festival Fringe Series 2022. Elaine here, how are you all doing? Hope you're looking after yourselves, staying well, staying hydrated, and doing whatever you need to do for you. Today, I speak with writer performer Celeste Can. Celeste is from New York and is at the festival with her show A Lady Does Not Scratch Her Crotch, a one woman show looking at masturbation through the lens of a very famous, well known Disney film. Um, does that sound intriguing? Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, so, Celeste and I chat about that and many other things connected with uh, this industry. So, obviously, just a little warning that we are talking. Very mature content today, so just so you know. You can follow us on all social media. Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can also follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. Remember to like, download, subscribe, review the episodes. It really does make a huge difference and lets our amazing guests be heard by as many people as possible. For today's episode, oh... Oh, I don't know, like maybe a cocktail, if you can be bothered making one in your house, like mm, maybe a French martini, old fashioned, um, you know, some orange juice maybe, get that vitamin C into you, obviously your classic coffee, hot chocolate, or you can always just have a good old cup of tea, sit back, relax and enjoy. Today I'm joined by Celeste Khan, who has a play which she has written called A Lady Does Not Scratch Her Crotch, which got <laughs> my attention straight away. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, so Celeste, give us a little bit of background about the play, tell everybody where they can see it, and then we'll have a chat about you. Sounds good. Yeah. So um, I'm doing the play as part of PBH Free Fringe. So it is uh, at 345 in the afternoon, 1545 uh, in the basement of Burrito and Shake, uh, which is on Southbridge. Uh, it's uh, so you can get a burrito, get a shake. You're also allowed to bring alcohol in from other places if you would like um, and come down into the basement and watch the play. I've done it for uh, so this is a differently edited version but I have done the play before in New Orleans in New York and in Boston um and so I did it I think I first did it in 2018 in New York maybe 27 it might have been 27 it was one of the two it's um, the pandemic it's made yeah. us all go I don't know what year it is anymore I yeah. don't know when things happened <laughs> yeah yeah, it's um, yeah. Uh, and then proceeded. I think the last place I did it was in Boston eventually, and then the pandemic happened. And 
didn't do it for a long time. Um, uh, And then, but I had always thought about, oh, it'd be like cool to do that at Edinburgh Fringe. I've never, I've never done the Fringe before. And so uh, it's kind of like, you know, it's a a bucket list item, I guess. I I mean, yeah, right. It is definitely a bucket list item. That's for sure. How are you finding your first Fringe? Um, It's good. I do wish, I mean, there's part of me that's like, wow, it would be really interesting to come back here not performing potentially because like uh I'm definitely finding a lot out by like coming here and performing but there's there you know everything is happening at once mm. um so uh, but I'm excited to be here and performing and doing the show and I'm learning a lot I feel like it's like uh it's a it's like a trial by fire in it some ways it absolutely <laughs> is it absolutely is it is um yeah I mean <laughs> There really are no words, I think, for the festival, unless you've experienced it and you've done it. Trying to explain to people what it's like never quite covers exactly what it's like. It's insane and brilliant and beautiful and um, manic and exhausting. Yeah, yeah, it really, yeah, it is. And it's 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 so great, but uh, it is like, at, at one point I was like, wow if I had known, I would have definitely given myself a day off here. Um, so you're not, not, you're not having a day off at all. Well, I don't go the whole run. So I finish on the 22nd. Okay. I was like, oh, since I'm not doing the whole run, I won't do a day off because, but you know, even like, I mean, it's still the most, I've never done um, any show where I've had, I think it's 17 performances all in a row um with you know and that's it's it's a lot it's and it's a it's about a 50 minute solo show so just me on stage for 50 minutes playing 11 different characters um and and one of which is like similar to myself and it's like a lot of interaction with the audience but that you know it's 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 a lot to sustain over that period of time Mm -hmm. but it's very exciting and like dealing with the audience and burrito and shake so we're right by the kitchen in in the venue so they do sometimes have people coming in and out and there can be a bit of a bit of noise and sometimes you know there are times where I'm like oh this is I'm like trying to like how do I work through this and sometimes where I'm like wow this is perfect that person walked through at the exact moment for me to have this fun thing where I get to play with them and make it even more comedic um so it's like and it's helping me like find new things in that way and that can be very exciting I mean yeah that's great it really yeah that is the exciting part of live performance right yeah. But you, yeah adding on a venue at the festival of which there are thousands um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and some of them yeah have restaurants in the kitchens right yeah. next to where you're performing um tell us about the play what inspired it um, all the characters because I've obviously I've read your press release so I'm yeah. like this sounds absolutely <laughs> mental but I love it yeah it does it, it sometimes when I'm performing and I'm like I must seem absolutely just off the wall bonkers um but uh it's so it was inspired I, I started working on it like before Trump was elected, that's how I measure that. Um, uh, and it was, but it was when he was about to, uh, it was 2016 in the summer. And I, it started from just thinking about both. It was like the combination of thinking about like toxic men and insecurity and thinking about um, childhood and gender stereotypes and looking specifically at Disney princesses and beauty and the beast more specifically Um, and the first thing that came to mind was this image of like the beast 
dancing in Belle's like yellow ball gown and but like solo dancing but in that kind of style with the beast wearing that uh that ball gown and then that kind of took off to be like oh because I used to have like a big crush on the beast when I was younger like I thought that the beast was the hottest person in in Beauty and the Beast and like when the beast not when the prince yeah not when the oh, prince yeah, yeah, yeah not, yeah. not when the prince when the beast specifically <laughs> the prince when he appears as a prince it's like what yeah it's like yeah do I really I like I, I, you're not who I've been falling in love with this whole movie what's going on <laughs> um so uh so that kind of that brought the inspiration around and then it kind of became this thing where it uh, various things influenced a bunch of different segments of it. Like one of the segments that I have in it, the, the kind of the title segment, the that's about that I do this monologue about like all of the things that are expected of women for whatever reason, right? And that one came about. I I balanced stuff on my head and my arms, and it literally came about because I was walking one day and I had a nice coffee that I didn't feel like drinking. So I just put it on my head and started walking and then found out that I could walk for 30 minutes like that and was like, Oh, wow. maybe, maybe I should do something with that. <laughs> um, so there's like, uh, so the characters in it. So like um, there's a sort of version of myself, both as kind of a younger person and as me now uh, there's Maurice, who's Belle's father. There's Mrs. Potts. Um, there's, I'm going through, uh, the... Lumiere? Uh, Lumi so Lumiere is a new addition because he makes the curtain speech to warn everyone that there will be a feast that is being prepared. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there might be a bit of noise going on around, but Lum Lumiere wasn't in it from the beginning, actually. He was... okay. Uh, but he was mentioned because Fifi, the feather duster, is a character. Yeah. But um, he wasn't actually in it from the beginning. Gaston is a major character in it. Okay. Uh, and uh, there's a character, the three blonde women are in it, with, with the names Melanie, Madeline, and Matilda. And then um, there's uh, this character who... I gave her the name Francine, but if you, when you're watching like the segment, um, the little town, it's a quiet village, that one, yeah. there's this moment when Belle goes over to the fountain and there's all these like sheep and stuff, but there's been this woman who's been like washing her clothes there. Yeah. And all of the sheep like come over and just like interrupt her and she gets up and she looks so pissed off at Belle and walks away. And so she's a character in it. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> think that might be that might be it I could well be don't worry if we've missed any I'm sure okay. as you, you know you kind of talk about it um so the title like kind of hints at what we might be discussing yes 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 so um I mean I I spent a while I remember when I was first coming up with it like being like what would the title for this be and it is very uh what I I'm always surprised when, cause people do come and I feel like they don't to the show and like, don't seem to know what to expect sometimes. And I'm like, well, I feel like the title gives you some idea. Like, you know, there will be people who like, I can tell that they're like sitting in the audience and they're like shocked and like, like, Oh my gosh, like that's happened. And it's like, well, yeah. Like, what did you think 
you chose to come to this show with this title. What's going on? Um, but I kind of, I think at the, at sometimes that feels uh, scary when like, I'm like, oh, people like this, uh, you know, cause that like that some people they're like, this is too much. I just really, it's not for me. Um, but I think fringe actually has taught me to kind of embrace that in some ways. Cause also like, that's kind of the point of the show, right. Is like a lot of people are like, Oh, women's sexuality is gross. Women, like women's, uh, bodily functions are gross. All of those things, you know, and whereas if it was a man, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, fine. Men are supposed to be that way. Right. And, um, so I've started to really embrace that. Like, yeah, for some people that like, they can't sit there and be like, Oh, that's happening right now. Mm. Yeah, so in your copy, you, it says, like, um, Mrs. Potts stops Belle from masturbating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, I think that that and that thing, that as you talk about that idea that we have with what a woman, sh- a woman should be, quote unquote, yeah. and um, how we discuss that and all of those different things. So, yeah, that's obviously some people are going to find that a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And as you say, you can totally use that. Um, it's also just a really interesting thing to kind of put into a show with a, a Disney film and that yeah. like that kind of uh their juxtaposition really right like this idea of the perfect woman like when we watch yeah. Disney they've all got beautiful skin and big eyes and huge eyelashes and yeah. all of that but then you're then talking about something really real and part of everyday life or but a lot of people have I don't know if shame is the right word but it definitely is the sense of that like put on us by society yeah yeah exactly well exactly and like and the kind of the idea with with using the Disney right is that like it it is that ideal and it is that even if it's not you know but but it's an unrealistic one right like and Belle specifically um, I mean, I talk about choosing her because like she was a brunette and like there's this whole thing. There's this whole thing about like blondes and like that I that other ideal. Right. And I like Barbies and that kind of stuff. But and like Belle is like the smart princess who like reads and is like has this idea of almost being a more progressive princess. But then like what ends up happening, you know, with her, what you know, she's still this like kind of perfect sort of uh idea of of a woman in in other ways and like then like ends up marrying this guy who has kidnapped her and so like what what does that say I mean it's peak Stockholm syndrome yeah. right yeah and none of us really ever t- like we all go oh like we yeah. are, and it's this message that's put on us from when we're such a young age like it's yeah. okay if he kidnaps you and keeps you a prisoner yeah. and then you fall in love yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucked up when you think about it. Yep, yep. It is, and it's, and like that he, can, you know, and I, you know, I am all for people changing. I believe, I believe that oh, people absolutely change. the beast change. Absolutely, yeah. but you know, but yeah, but also it's like, but the idea of like, oh, is it a woman's job to change a man so that like he like become, you know, it's like go to some therapy, <laughs> do the work Maybe yourself. Really, the beast really needed to do was <laughs> long before that. Yeah. <laughs> I find it really interesting. Why is it that it's Mrs. Potts that stops her from masturbating? Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of all of the different characters, because I think part of it is about how 
even like there, you know, men, there are, you know, there's the way that the patriarchy through men imposes restrictions on us, but there are also women who uphold that. Right. Like, and who, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That. And like, I chose Mrs. Potts because there is this way where I was like, Oh, she's like extremely like, I mean, maybe like there's like a properness to her in some ways. I mean, not like Cogsworth, who's like the like, but um, I like it felt that model that comes around the time of the stuff about what a lady does and does not do. And my mom is very progressive and I love her and she's wonderful. But like there, you know, like probably the primary person who was like, Celeste, close your legs when you sit was like my mom being like, you know, which makes sense in some ways but there are all these like I'm like oh there's all those things that we're told to do because like that's what you do when you're being ladylike um and Mrs. Potts to me felt like the character that was most likely to do that in the in the show in some ways to just be like oh these are the things they're definitely like stretched out I mean Maurice uh, Bell's dad in the thing is nothing like Bell's dad in in the like because he he's like a dirty old man in the in in this play um okay pre-warning for everybody who has oh maurice (laughs) yep yep yeah so watch watch out for maurice in this one but and also uh maurice and gaston are both played by like a forms of puppets which i tried to do because i like i found it interesting when i started doing that because i was like oh now all of the men are these like puppet things, whereas the women are gen- like embodied by my by my whole body, in general in the play. And like, oh, I, I, that's really great because you know um, <clears throat> we talk so often about women being puppets in our yeah. in our world, and especially and you know you kind of look around at politicians and the way wives are utilized as yeah the little so that's really. Yeah, that I really like that. That's great, and just that use of puppetry is always fun. I think yeah, at the yeah. festival, and it's really um, immersive. This play, right? It's proper audience interaction. Yes. Um, and how how is that going? Yeah, it's interesting because, like, um, I mean, I think post. So one of the audience interactions, some of them are like pretty simple it's like I like I I I remembered the character that I forgot it's the old witch who has the rose who actually puts the curse on the beast so she kind of opens it and so she has like the first pretty simple audience interaction of just asking for shelter from the audience but and then there's like a fortune you know fortune tellers the um I like do a fortune teller with the audience which is also like a fairly simple thing because if that person wants to they can just repeat um, I have been interested that fortune teller is like a, almost like a Madonna whore complex fortune teller. So it has all of these different stereotypes about women that are like, you're either in this lane or this lane. And some of those are obviously like pretty mean because that's kind of the point. I'm like, Oh, this has been interesting doing this with the audience. Cause, uh, you really have to make sure that you're going to find someone who will be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fun. Um, and then the biggest moment of audience interaction is a bit later, which has uh, is kind of an interesting one for me to study over the course of the time that I've done it because it's I ask if someone will come up and kiss me and give me a, a grade on my kissing. I have like a rubric. Um, and here I would say I think that I've had I still have had more kisses than I've had not kisses. <laughs> okay. 
Um, <laughs> but it has been uh, until, I think until uh, coming to the festival, there was only one time, no, twice that I didn't get a kiss in the time of performing this show. And one of those times I knew why I didn't get the kiss and it was because I went too fast through the moment. It was my first time ever performing it. And so people never got a chance to realize that I was actually asking. <laughs> and um, the second time it was the, the only time that I, my family has come to see it. And I think that that made it a bit awkward for everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but here I, it's been interesting because I'm trying to, it, it is, uh, I, I have a plan of course for, you know, when, if no one gets up and kisses me. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it has been interesting to like track, like, who are the people who are getting up? Who, who tends to volunteer, you know? So who is tending to volunteer? You know, I haven't had any, anyone, uh, well, one person, one person from the UK has volunteered before. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. Um, uh, this older gentleman who kissed me on the cheek volunteered. Um, and other than that, it's been a few Americans uh, someone from Uruguay, someone from Belgium. Uh, and mostly I have found in general that women tend to volunteer more than men. Yeah. Over like, uh, I've had, I have had men volunteer before and, uh, have had non-binary people volunteer before. Primarily, I would say I've had women volunteer. I th that's really interesting and not in so many ways because yeah. there's probably like that thing of um I suppose men being really aware of yes. um you know social constructs and their kind of that power play that can happen with that whereas you know people can and make assumptions when it's same sex that there isn't always a power play but you know if that's yeah. an actual relationship and everything we yes. all know that's completely different right I'm reading in the dream house right now so you know <laughs> um Okay, so it's um, it, it's just that that kind of that thing. But I think also as a female, um, when another female standing on stage going, "Can somebody give me a kiss?" and nobody's getting up, I would be like, "Cool, I'll do it." So they're yeah, yeah. on your own, like, "Yay, I've got you!" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, and I mean, oh, sorry, I think oh no, it's like to me, it is like um. It's, it's also, you know, and people have different ways of approaching because then afterwards I give them this rubric and they look at it and they, they read out to the audience and give me a grade on it. Uh, and some people for them, they're like, as soon as they kiss, they're like, I'm ready to get back to my seat. And, but I have ha also had people who are like, it is my time. I am on stage. <laughs> they like sit down, they start going through it. They are sharing with the audience They are And I'm like, great. Yeah, this is your time. <laughs> I mean, it is the joy, right, of um, live theater, but that kind of interaction with the audience because every time is going to be so different. Yeah, because you've got no idea if they're going to be up for it or not. Really, yeah. like, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. Um, fun and terrifying, and all of those other things. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I've had some audiences here who I have been when I've gotten to that moment. I've been like. I am sure I, I feel that someone will volunteer today because they've been so with me. And then sometimes they, they won't though, because it's just like, cause it is, I mean, it is a big ask. It's a very big ask. And I acknowledge that. Um, 
but uh, yeah because I guess as well for some people like COVID will still be playing in the back of their mind and all of that and yeah yeah and I take the COVID test every single morning to you know to a if for showing it to and I show it to them um but also just to be I mean probably to be responsible no matter what you're doing with the show if you're going to be you know being projecting in a room full of people and all of that kind of stuff but uh, obviously with the kiss it with the potential for the kiss it's extremely important because I don't want to get anyone sick yeah I mean I think as well like just this being our first kind of proper fringe back after a covid um sorry somebody's decided to start cutting their grass outside my window and I'm like is that really loud (laughs) um yeah just that kind of first I think probably for performers there's the fear of it there's so many people in Edinburgh um you know you're walking about and it's just that kind of oh I maybe need to just be a bit smarter than I maybe have been for the last little while I think as well so yeah. yeah 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 I mean it is something that I in some ways, every morning when I test, I'm like slightly surprised where I'm like, oh, I'm still negative. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, great. I can keep going. It's totally fine. It's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so Celeste, tell us about your career. How did you end up a, in this wonderful, insane industry of ours yeah um I mean so I've been doing theater for a while but started I guess in like more conventional theater like started doing like Shakespeare um in New Orleans and where I grew up so I grew up in New Orleans started doing Shakespeare at the New Orleans Shakespeare Festival there and went to um this sort of uh, like a drama high school well an arts high school called New Orleans Center for the Creative Arts and I did drama there um and so that was like every day after school from four to six thirty, um, which was, I mean, I loved it, but like, sometimes I look back on those years and I'm like, how was I doing anything <laughs> from like, cause it would just be like 8am until six thirty, and then homework. Um, and then went to university and continued to do theater. And that's where I kind of started to get into, um, more of the well I started to get into directing when I was in high school because I had a teacher who was like who supported me in that and then started to get into more of the kind of producing doing kind of stranger more uh like otter plays I guess in university and uh towards the end is when I started to get interested in writing uh and that I still would not even I mean I I write plays but it's probably not where I would primarily place myself if you were to like I primarily place myself in the performer category in Mm. some ways um uh although now actually what I'm doing is I'm looking more at facilitation and teaching which is something that is really interesting to me doing applied theater and um uh yeah and and possibly in in various different settings um but and then I so after university moved to New York uh tutored babysat auditioned for things did uh started and started creating plays at the tank in New York City which is an amazing nonprofit organization that is a space that artists can use 
uh, for free and then they, and then the tank gets some of the box office sales, but like you don't have to rent out the space originally. So it's, um, a really, a really, really great organization that is very, very supportive of new artists and new work. Um, and I think I, I came to them through another friend of mine did a show there. And then I think I did, I, I just started talking to them about doing this and about doing that. They used to do this thing during, uh, it started right before Trump was elected called fast and furious, where you would write a short piece about that week's news and it would be written quickly and would often be angry because of what was going on in the world. Um, and so started doing that regularly and that, uh, that kind of helped with developing my writing more. I would say, and then eventually did this piece there for the first time. Um, and it, although I started developing this piece in upstate New York at this place called um, the Orchard Project. Uh, and yeah, and then have done, so I've done this, uh, then have done several short plays. Like I have a play called This is Eden, uh, which is about climate change and queerness and aliens, uh, and then <laughs> have a play called, uh, and that's covering the, a lot in a short play. Yeah. So yeah. Play, I know. Yeah. And it's, it's only about 12 minutes. So a very short play. <laughs> um, uh, and then a play called redacted a Robert Mueller erotica or do me Mr. Mueller, which is about the Mueller investigation. <laughs> um, and, uh, started actually from a Fast and Furious piece that I had written where I was like, cause I, I was in the room doing, you know, and a lot of those obviously can end up being just like, Oh, let's be make fun of conservatives. Let's do that. And, uh, but it's like, yeah, but everyone in this room, like we're all on the same page. We all think that they suck. <laughs> um, so I was like, what is something that I can kind of mock liberal people for? And I was like, oh, the fact that we're like so turned on by this like Mueller investigation and we, we're just like so like kinky for like Trump getting taken down by this like guy who's not going to do anything like, you know, um, and so that has that also has kind of three strands in it where it's like there's the people it's like Robert Mueller with people that he's investigating and each of those is told in kind of a different erotic trope like there's like a striptease interrogation thing there's like a like super like BDSM interrogation one there's like a very romantic one um Roger Stone is actually just Roger Stone I don't know how much you know about him but he's yeah a wild character he has a Nixon tattoo he like very strange man. And his, it was just like, let's just write facts about him. And that's fucking weird enough. Like, <laughs> um, and then there's like a strand that is like two young liberal women in New York who, yeah. so that, and that's a two hander who are like talking about like all of the various things about politics and sex and being, and like liberal, being liberal. Um, and then the the final strand is Robert Mueller having sex with the White House, the building. Um, and like that oh, yeah. like spreads throughout. And of course, you know, it ends with him uh, penetrating uh, through the windows and like coming early and she does not come. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then yeah. 
so that's kind of the, so we've the definitely whole. got a sense of some stuff that's running through some of your plays yeah <laughs> sex masturbation does the women come big questions <laughs> there's definitely yeah i'm like i need to maybe write a play that's not about sex at one point no i don't um, No, absolutely okay. not i think but. it's <laughs> it's a really it's a really important question right because it's this thing that women talk about it make jokes about it female comedians make jokes about it all the time yeah. like you know the fact that you know the partner has come and they haven't and we're it's, I'm always fascinated about how uncomfortable people get with this conversation and you can see people bristling and things like that I know plenty of women who've had that conversation with me of like, oh, well, you know, I need to finish myself off. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's, so it's just, it's like you were saying about this idea about, quote unquote, the repulsion of female, um, is it the female anatomy? Is it female enjoyment? Is it um, that sense of sexual freedom? And, do you think, have you kind of thought about that in that sense, doing the show so many times now and kind of seen what the reaction is? Yeah, I mean, it is, I I do, th- in the show, I will say, I think that there are a couple possible repulsions because it, there's the femaleness, but there's a, like, it is, it is admittedly, and this is a potential trigger warning sort of thing, is like, there's a lot about specifically like young women and like, that like, even when, because I, I do feel like there's a sense, right? I don't know what it was like for you, but like when I was younger, even though I I was like, I, you know, I was masturbating and, and like all that, like there was a sense until I got to a certain point that I couldn't ever talk about that with my friends. And like, if I did, like, it was like gross. I can't believe that you would do that. Like, yeah or that you are quote unquote a slut or you know yeah Yeah. because you're actually taught you know you're experiencing your own sexuality really yeah yeah and like so there is the element of it that is like that is women's sexuality there is also the element of it that is like and I uh, like that is that is like young women and even like girls like not sexuality in the sense of like being sexualized because that is not happening but like sexuality in the sense of like there might like pleasure is something that they might be aware of or like having crushes and like yeah and having like that experience of the world but I think well it's the joke right isn't it as we well certainly when I was growing up I'm and it'll be interesting because obviously I grew up in Scotland and you grew up in America so just like that kind of whole kind of culture thing right but um when I was growing up, everybody would make jokes about the boys having a wank. Yeah. Or like, you know, there were stories about the boys that had, had they'd been all staying over and one of them get caught having a wank in a sock or whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, but for girls, it was never like, you couldn't, like, what do you mean you're, just even me trying to think back to that like to put myself there I can't even think how I would have even vocalized anything to do with that yeah exactly yeah yeah and that is kind of that's one other way that like Mrs. Mrs. Potts comes into the conversation around the masturbation thing because she specifically talks about like Chip does that right Chip is masturbating and that's fine because Chip's a boy and that's what they do and sometimes boys have to yeah like you know but like 
young women, they shouldn't be doing that. That's not something that you're supposed to be doing. Um, yes, yeah, so really early on, it's put on us as women that our pleasure isn't important. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. that. And and that and that that does stem from like child like childhood because like you know I think and it's not that boy, I'm not saying that like boys are necessarily like encouraged in it but it is considered something that is like well that's just something that happens like boy yeah, yeah. you know yeah and like oh it's puberty that's what happens to their body that. yeah that's like oh that's what's happening to their body you know it's yeah. puberty blah 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 but you know there's stuff happening to our bodies as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and not just having periods, which again, like, isn't talked about a huge amount either, really, if no. we're being honest. Yeah. Obviously, I think this new generation coming up are far more open and are just really kind of clear about it. Like, yeah. I would never have, when I was at school, said to someone, oh, I've got my fe- period, I feel like crap. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I teach young people and teenagers that I teach sometimes are like, oh, I've got really bad cramps today yeah okay yeah I think so I in middle when I was which would be like second um, primary school for you I guess like when I was like 12 to uh 14 during like when I first started getting my period I told no one and there's a part in the play where it's like me getting my period and I'm like oh my god I'm dying and I don't want this I don't want to have my period like also, and I was at a co-ed school at the time and was like largely friends with boys. And I remember one time when like I was wearing a pad and one of my friends said something about how he like could see my underwear and I like hit him. I was so upset. I was like, no, you can't. And like freaked out. And then when I went to high school, so at like 14 to 18, uh, I was in an all girls school and suddenly it became like totally okay to discuss your period. Like people were screaming for tampons all over the place. Everyone were like, you know, everyone knew when everyone else was on their period because you were like, I have cramps. Like, uh, you'd like go lie in a classroom and be like, yeah, and oh, half of you probably were all synced, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like <laughs> that kind of bizarre thing that happens when yeah. um, women all live together and it's yeah. just like, oh. Well, me too me too yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of fascinating that whole thing I'm always yeah. like what um yeah it's really interesting so what is it you're hoping I'll finish that thought see festivals m- scrambling my brain already it's um it's a really interesting discussion and I really um think that people probably do need to have that kind of uncomfortable thought and then discussion probably when they leave as well after seeing the show and what is it that you hope that people take away from the show yeah I mean to me the show ultimately is about like yeah finding it's about finding joy in all of that and about finding joy in like the fact that like yeah some things are gross and some things might feel uncomfortable but like there still is joy in that and like that um and humor and excitement and um, that ultimately the thing that matters is about, you know, I mean, this is cliche, but like being true to yourself and that sometimes that means, cause part of it is also about like gender and about, um, I mean, I, I am a cis woman. I use she, her, but like there, you know, that doesn't mean that I necessarily am always like in this lane of like, this is what a woman is, right? Like I can like still, 
embody many like traditionally masculine characteristics and can like play into that. And sometimes I'll be more in that maybe than I am in like the like more feminine side of myself and like allowing all of those things to coexist and finding the joy in all of that and figuring out what gives you joy and what gives you like, and that that can change depending on the moment that you're in and that that can be exciting and going with allowing yourself to exist in that moment and finding the joy of that and who you are at that time, even if that's gross, even if that's, you know, maybe off-putting for some people, even if, as long as you're not hurting people, right? And like all of that kind of stuff and, and that, and not apologizing for who you are in that way is I think the big message of the show. I also hope that people laugh um, <laughs> is the other thing that I would like right. them to take away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you want, it's that lovely balance and it's what the festival is all about, about experience and all those different things and hoping that that's what people take away from it and trying things that wouldn't normally get the chance to be seen, yes. I think is really important. Yeah. And I think like what has been so exciting about doing this show so many times in a row is that chance to explore and see different ways that it comes out and, uh, and not, I think the first few performances were a bit rough, but once I like kind of was able to let go and be like, okay, let's constantly be exploring with this and keep going and see like not being scared to test things out in front of the audience is exciting and makes it both more alive and also brings new things to the show, I think. Great. Um, so a reminder for everybody that um, A Lady Does Not Scratch Her Crotch is on at Burrito and Shake on Southbridge because there's a few Burrito and Shakes in Edinburgh. Um, it's one on Southbridge. Um, oh, also have fun getting up Southbridge because half of it's shut. So, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe just do a little detour and come around the back instead. Um, if you're wanting some exercise, walk up a flesh market close um <laughs> that that street gets me every time um and it's on at 3 45 every day until the 22nd yes and it's part of a uh, free fringe yeah part of pbh free fringe yeah so, so pay what totally you can free. yeah free free great um celeste before we finish um we like to ask all of our guests a question Celeste Khan, what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you? Hmm. Well, I'm a big Elizabeth Warren fan. She, she's one of my faves. Uh, so I did, when I heard persistent, I was like, oh. Um, I think to me it means... It's... it's it's about, yeah, it's about going even when, even when people are like, no, don't, no, like, I can't get away, get, like, um, and especially, like, for me, I think that that comes into play with, be, yeah, being yourself and being out there and being unapologetically who you are and taking up space and, um, you know, obviously, like, there are times where, of course, especially as a white woman, it's like, okay, I'm not going to take up space here, but there there are also times where it's like it is fine to be like I am in this space or like I have a very loud laugh and it's like yeah sometimes that's gonna okay I know I see people turning around in audiences sometimes like sorry this is just how I laugh um and so you know allowing yourself to be in the world and take up that space and not apologize for the fact that you're there and that you're gonna keep doing that and 
it doesn't matter if people are like, that's not how a woman's supposed to be. Just keep going. Love it. Brilliant. Great. Um, Celeste, thank you so much for coming and joining me today and for chatting about the play. And until next time, lovely listeners, stay, stay nasty. nasty. Yay! <laughs> <laughs>